0: Hello, I'm Erica LaCasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today we'll be talking about finding your moral compass. Stick around for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. Welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today is the 5th of September, 2022. I cannot believe we're already in September, but here we are. Today's Torah portion is called Ketetzei, which means when you go forth. You can find it in Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 10 to chapter 25 verse 19. The half tour portion is Isaiah 54, 1 through 10. And the Brit Hadashah is 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. There is actually a lot of really great stuff this week. Not that there isn't every single week, but... I actually thoroughly enjoyed going over it with my husband. He had a lot of really great insights, especially because, you know, I have a lot of questions when it talks about things like slavery and captivity and how women were treated. And the reality is, Adonai was actually and still is a very merciful, gracious God. And he saw worth even in the women kind more so than the rest of the world even back in the days of the bible and for that i am actually eternally grateful because women were never treated as objects and when you go back to the torah and what he commanded he made a lot of different commandments and laws in order to protect women and i absolutely appreciate that Today we're talking about finding your moral compass. It's something that I have been thinking about really for a long time. You know, it's it almost kind of kind of is like, you know, you, you have these conversations with different people throughout your life, and it finally just comes to a head after you have one last conversation with somebody, and it's kind of like okay, finding your moral compass, what does that mean? It means what do you set the standards in your mind of what is right and wrong? Where does your morality come from? Now, most of us, a lot of times our morality comes from who we live with, who we surround ourselves with. You know, if you have a bunch of friends who are doing things that are wrong, eventually you're, you're going to start agreeing with them and think, well, it's not really that big of a deal. But the reality is it is. Morals mean relating to or concerned with the principles or rules of right conduct or the distinction between right and wrong. Ethical. So, for me, as a believer, my moral compass should be found in the Word of God, right? It's not always true because we're all sinners and we all mess up. However, if our foundation is firmly rooted in the word of God, the infallible word of God, the true and living word of God, then that should be our moral compass. And we try our very best to stick to that moral compass. Now, some of you may be wondering, where are you going with this Erica? Well, Here's the deal, and it's something that I've really been struggling with, because my immediate family, we consider ourselves messianic believers. The rest of my family does not, and my husband's family certainly does not. In fact, most of them wouldn't maybe even consider themselves believers. So the question remains, where do our moral compasses lie? Where do we get that instruction from? Who tells us what is right and what is wrong? Now, there are some believers out there who will try to convince you that the only moral compass we need is the New Testament and perhaps the Ten Commandments. The rest has been done away with. And there could be a lot of different excuses and reasonings for that thought process. One could be because of who they listened to growing up. A lot of times as believers, and you've heard me say this before, I myself made this mistake as a young person. I chose to listen to my pastor, then getting in the word myself and finding the truth. It wasn't that my pastor wasn't saying, hey, read, read the word. He was. I just didn't bother to do it because I was lazy and I was a kid and I thought, well, my pastor knows what he's talking about, so why would I need to look into it? My grandfather, not a believer, but his biggest thing was about integrity. The problem with those that are not believers and those that do not see the Word of God in its fullness from Genesis to Revelation as being the inherent word of God from now into eternity. The problem with that, whether you're a believer or you're an unbeliever. Is that then you are the one who decides who is what is right and what is wrong. Right? And that is a scary place to be in my mind. Because there are those out there in the world who think that it's okay to take what they want. Because they want it. So they steal things right. Or they lie to get what they want. Or some even worse. They have no problem. And no there's no compunction against something as, as heinous as murder. Or adultery. Or sexual immorality of any nature. They don't see that there's a problem with it. Why? Because what are they listening to? They're listening to the voice inside their own mind. And maybe even the world, because let's be honest, almost everything on that list I just named is considered acceptable now. Obviously, murder is not on that list. I do also want to apologize if I sound a little bit quieter right now. It's actually it's eleven thirty at night, and my poor husband is actually in the room with me trying to sleep, and uh, hopefully he's able to do that. He's got his earbuds in and his CPAP on, but. If you hear any weird noises, it's probably his machine. But anyways, the moral compass, guys. I had a very disturbing conversation with someone this past week about how they felt that the Torah has been done away with. And the verse that he was standing on to come to that conclusion, which I'm sure you've heard it before. It's almost as famous as John 3.16 is Matthew 5, verses 17. I'm reading the Tree of Life version. You know, I do do actually like that version. It says, Do not think that I came to abolish the Torah or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Now, for those of us who are Messianic believers, we like this verse too, because it clearly shows that Yeshua didn't come to abolish the law, the Torah, or the prophets. He came to fulfill them. Well, this person that I was talking to this week, their thought process was, well, because Yeshua has fulfilled it, then the Torah is no longer valid. Because there's no way anyone can possibly Fulfill the 613 laws that are in the Old Testament. You know, we talked about this last week, right? And how in the New Testament there's 1,050, but you know, that's neither here nor there. And we talked about how, hey, you do recognize that almost half of those have to do with temple laws and sacrifices, which obviously we no longer have to do because there is no temple and Yeshua is our sacrifice. And then, of course, you have other laws that are specifically for women, and then there are laws specifically for men, and then there are laws for the Levitical priests. So it's not actually 613. I'd actually be interested to know exactly how many there are in their own categories. But honestly, that's not what matters. If you take away the Torah, which, for those of you who do not know, the first five books of the Bible... You're taking away creation, genealogy. You're taking away everything that you need in order to prove that Yeshua was who he says he was. And I would actually challenge you to find me a chapter in the New Testament that does not specifically quote or lead you right back to anything that the Old Testament says. And if you can find it, let me know, send me a message, send me an email. I honestly would be really interested to to know about it because it's just, it's amazing to me, especially like, you know, these Torah portions are, are something I have not done my whole life because I, you know, I did not grow messianic. It's amazing to me how I'll read something from a Torah portion and then I'll read something, you know, the Brit Hadashah and it'll directly line up with what the Torah portion is talking about. Of course, if I don't read it in that way, I have no idea that there's that connection. But when I do, I'm like, "Oh my goodness, our God is amazing. He's amazing how clear, cut, and and evident it is that He lines up the word of the God, uh, of of Him, because the Torah is Yeshua. Torah is Adonai. He's the living Word of God, made flesh." But he lines it up so beautifully over generations. You know, L'Ador V'Ador, from generation to generation. And it's amazing to me how so many of us as believers are not able to see that. Because instead of seeing the Torah as a blessing, they see it as chains, as being bondage instead of what it truly should be, which is a blessing. It's a blessing from generation to generation. You know, it's like my my husband's favorite saying is, we don't follow the Torah because we have to. We follow it because we get to. You know, Adonai gave us free will. And part of that is choosing, will you do what I tell you you need to do in order to live your best life? Or will you choose to live the way that you want to live? And live with whatever consequences come. And all of us to a point do do that. But the question remains. What's your moral compass? If you choose to take away the Torah. And the law of the prophets. You're left with the New Testament. Which isn't bad. But then you're left with a man. If you're literally only reading the New Testament. You've got literally no foundation. Then it would be very confusing to read the New Testament and say, okay, so these people believe that he's some guy who lived and died and rose rose again. Like, where's the proof of this? And then why are all these other laws? And they keep talking about this other law. And then they're talking about rabbinical law. Like, what is all this? My other argument to this person I was talking to, I said, you know, your concern is because there are an evangelist at heart. Your concern is going out and preaching the good news, the gospel, throughout all the nations. But what does the Word of God tell you to do? You are to speak to the Jew first and then the Gentile. How are you going to speak to a a Jew and tell them, this is the Messiah you've been waiting for. But by the way, the Torah, which confirms that he is the Messiah, has now been done away with because we're now covered by grace. Now, I may be lacking in some logic, but common sense I'm pretty strong with. And my street smarts say that that makes absolutely no sense. You do not take away a foundation of a building and hope that it stands and believe that it's going to stand. And the Torah is our foundation. And it is our moral compass. And honestly, it kind of terrifies me that there are believers out there who truly believe that the Torah should be done away with. Except for the parts that they want to keep. Now this person said we can continue, you know, celebrating the feast because that means we all get to get together and celebrate. And that we can follow the Ten Commandments because, you know, obviously we shouldn't kill people and we shouldn't lie and we shouldn't, you know, commit adultery. But all those other rules are just null and void. But to me, they're forgetting something. The Torah is not just a list of rules. It's literally the story of Adonai and his power and his majesty and his glory and it proves without a shadow of a doubt that he is who he says that he is i was you know trying to look up and see what others had to say about it you know did you know yeshua fall you know fulfill the law uh, one thing I thought was interesting is from the Jerusalem perspective, these are places I, I, you know, I don't know anything about these particular groups or whatever, but I was reading it and it was something very simple. It's, so this person was attempting to go from an English translation of the sayings of Yeshua based on an understanding of the Hebraic and Jewish background So they offer some translations. So from literal Greek to dynamic Hebrew. So in Greek, the literal translation of Matthew chapter 5 or 17 to 18 says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fill. Okay. The little translation of the Hebrew reconstruction says, Do not think that I have come to cancel the Torah also known as the five books of Moses, and the prophets, the second section of the Hebrew canon, I have not come to cancel, but to sustain. The idiomatic translation of the Hebrew reconstruction is, do not think that I have come to weaken the Torah and the prophets. I have not come to weaken them, but to strengthen them. And then the dynamic translation of the Hebrew reconstruction is, Do not suppose that I have any intention of undermining scripture by misinterpreting it. My purpose is to establish and maintain the knowledge and observance of God's word, not undermine it. Now there's a few different, obviously, translations here from the like what the Hebrew says. But they're all saying that it's not like he came to fulfill it as in completed, as in it's been done away with. They're saying, I'm here to sustain it, to strengthen it. And I'm here not to undermine it. And that to me makes it very clear. And as it should, because if it didn't, it would cancel out everything the word of God says. Because a lot of it is, is this, you know, we do this a lot as Christians. I am absolutely guilty of doing this myself. We read one verse and forget the verse underneath it, right? So Matthew 5 or 17 says, do not think that I came to abolish the Torah or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill in 18. It says, amen. I tell you until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or seraph shall ever pass away from the Torah until all things have come to pass. I mean, what does that tell you to me? It tells me, um, the Torah hasn't changed. It's not going to change. I'm not here to change it. I'm here to make sure that you understand the importance of the Torah and to show you that I am who I say I am because I am the Word made flesh. From the Messianic uh, Apologetics blog, they talk about it as well and they say, According to Yeshua, the Messiah's words here in Matthew five seventeen, delivered within his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 and 7, the Savior clearly states that his views are regarding the Torah of Moses, along with Psalms 23 and the Ten Commandments. Matthew 5 through 7 includes the Beatitudes. The four passages together composing the most frequently read and valued section of the Bible for most evangelical Christians, Yeshua's statements about the Torah are not at all hidden away in some obscure place. Yeshua says very plainly that his purpose was not to abolish the Torah or law of Moses, but to fulfill it. The challenge for theologians over the centuries has been in what context Yeshua fulfills the law. Many think that Yeshua's fulfilling of the law is to be equated with some kind of abrogation or abolishment of it. But the Messiah's words in Matthew 5.17 run contrary to this, Do not suppose that I came to throw down the law or the prophets. He by no means came to destroy or demolish Moses' teaching. The, and then they talk about a bunch of Greek verbs, which I'll absolutely butcher if I say them. But any claim that the Messiah came to do away with the Torah or significantly devalue it in some way must be rejected. He clearly tells us that he did not come to end or bring to an end the law of Moses. So, if Yeshua the Messiah did not come to abolish the law of Moses, as many errantly c- conclude, then what was his purpose regarding fulfillment? So, once again, they talk about the different Greeks, Greek versions of what fulfill means. And I do find it kind of sad that they don't actually talk about what the Hebrew is or even the Aramaic, because I don't think Yeshua was speaking in Greek. That's just my two cents on that. So when he came to fulfill the law, it was with the express intention to demonstrate how valuable the Torah is for the instruction of the faithful. Because his very Sermon on the Mount is predicated upon the validity of Moses' teaching, he came to perfect it. Yeshua surely came to show his generation the great spiritual dynamic of the Torah that had either been lacking or skewed in the previous generations. Even though there had been various Jewish teachers who also recognized certain religious and social problems needing to be fixed. Yeshua the Messiah, as the word of God made manifest in the flesh, John 1.1, came to fulfill the Torah for humanity by embodying it to its full extent in his teachings, actions, and deeds. In his ministry, Yeshua demonstrated how to live the Torah properly and embody its principal emphasis, the great love of God. By his perfect obedience to the Torah, Yeshua could be regarded as being without sin and thus be acceptable as atonement before the Father. Further in Matthew 5.18, Yeshua dismisses any idea that th- by fulfilling the Torah, its importance and validity will somehow end by his work. He says, For I truly say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until it is all, is, all is accomplished. Now, of course, some would argue, well, it's been accomplished because of his death and resurrection really i'm pretty sure in revelation he comes back if you follow or observe any of the feasts you know that the spring feasts are the ones that he has fulfilled not completely but he has fulfilled the fall feast he has not fulfilled yet because he hasn't come back so to say that he has completed all that he is to do is incorrect and of course, we all know I am not a scholar. This is, of course, just my opinion and my how I myself perceive what the gospel says. You know, I think it's, it's so interesting because, you know, my husband, he grew up an atheist. So he doesn't have any of the preconceived notions, any of the traditions or doctrines or theological conclusions that a lot of us grew up with. And because of that, he was a blank slate coming into this. And yet somehow he found his way to his Messiah. He is the one that became messianic well before I did. I came along kicking and screaming a couple of years later because of my preconceived notions. Because of my misconceptions, when I opened this word, I was expecting to see what I wanted to see. Versus with my husband, he was just hungry and he wanted to know the Lord more, more. Without any one telling him who God was, how God was, what God was. Without truly growing up with much of a moral compass at all, he had to create his own. For many of us, we were to our parents best ability taught in the way that we should go and then they had to send us out in the world and pray that we would not depart from it for those like my husband they didn't have that growing up now of course i'm sure his parents had some sort of moral compass where they said this is right and this is wrong but it wasn't based on the word which brings me back to just the importance of the torah some feel that it's outdated antiquated really the whole bible a lot of people feel that way but the reality is this without the torah and the prophets the new testament is void it makes no sense and how could he fulfill a law if you've done it's been done away with as soon as he you know, Yeshua showed up on the scene. Or as soon as he rose, you know, he died and rose again. Then everything that Paul said after the fact is void as well. Now some people say, well, you know, Paul talked about doing away with the law. He was referring to the rabbinical law. And it's pretty clear if you read that in context. Unfortunately, based on a lot of interpretations, they use law and Torah they, they, they're interchangeable. And so it can be very confusing for somebody who doesn't understand that context to be like, okay, he's talking about the law of man right now, the rabbinical laws, and not actually the Torah, which was the law of Moses given to him by God. I hope all of you have had a, a really great week a great summer. I know even if you're homeschooling, a lot of you have even gone back to teaching your children. Remember to teach your children diligently in all of nice ways, which includes the entire Word of God, not just the parts we want to teach them because they're easy, but even the hard ones. Read the Word. In reading the Word, you will know and be known by your God now as I do every single week I'm going to pray over you the ironic benediction which you can find in numbers chapter 6 verses 24 to 26 <laughs> Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Yeshua In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. May you all have a blessed week. And I pray that you will tune in again next week. Until then, Shavua Tov. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com That's E is in Echo, L is in Lemur, M is in Mike, M in Mike, M in Mike, a number three at protonmail.com. You can also leave me a one minute voicemail message on anchor.fm slash Erica LaCasse. And it should have a button right there to say, leave a voice message. Remember to keep it short and sweet. If you have any questions or you just want to leave a nice little comment, I would love to hear from you.